You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast. This is episode number 69, March 14th, 2023. This show is powered by Constrata.io. Leading with operations, solving with technology. This is Robert Peterson, AVP, Oracle Food and Beverage, and you are listening to Skip on the Tech Chef Podcast. Off-premise strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? Drive-through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu, cooking up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with a tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Greetings and welcome back to the Tech Chef, where I help you optimize your restaurant or hospitality business. I am your host, Skip Kimpel, and in this podcast, we delve into the latest technology solutions that can streamline your operations and make you more profitable. Join us every week as we sit down with industry experts, operators, and thought leaders to explore various tools and techniques from cloud-based point-of-sale systems to inventory management solutions and everything in between. My aim is to equip you with the knowledge you need to take your business to the next level. By tuning in to this weekly show, you'll gain valuable insights that can help you make informed decisions about the technology solutions that best suit your company's needs. Don't miss out on any of our episodes. As a matter of fact, check out our library of shows as there is plenty of awesome content for your listening pleasure. Also, be sure to subscribe to our show today so you don't miss a single episode. I have to say, once again, that Murtech was amazing in many ways. As a matter of fact, I had promised you a Toby and Skip Murtech recap show. However, we had so many great networking opportunities and vendor discussions that we are still catching up from the show. Having said that, we will bring you that recap episode, but it will have to wait another week. However, I'm bringing you another special episode today, which I also recorded while I was at Murtech with my good friend, Robert Peterson, to talk about some big announcements from the Restaurant Technology Network, especially the results of the KPI Workgroup and other groups that Robert is heavily involved with. Robert Peterson, where to begin? Some know him as the Area Vice President for New Business of North America at Oracle Food and Beverage. However, others know him as a leader and a superstar of both the RTN and the IFBTA. Robert Peterson's passion for data governance has flourished during his 20 years in the restaurant industry. His career includes technical, sales, and strategic roles at various hospitality technology companies where he developed a deep understanding of the guest experience and its accompanying data flow. Today, his passion is to see operators succeed. He is also a contributing member of RTN's Vendor Advisory Council. Another fact about Mr. Peterson is that he is an 80s BMX world champion. He can still be spotted in San Diego with one of his four children showing off on his bicycle or experimenting with plant-based recipes at home with his wife, Julie. I had such a great time catching up with Robert at the show. Enjoy this chat that I had with him while I was there. 
Well, Robert, here we are at Murtech. This is pretty exciting. I was happy to have you on the show because you are very well known in the hospitality industry. You've been around for quite a while. Can you go back and talk about how you got to where you are today? So, you know, often it's heard that as you get into the restaurant industry, it's the black hole that um, you can never get out of in a very positive way. And so I came to the restaurant industry uh, through services, through selling services, uh, first in retail, and then a couple of my early customers um, were enterprise restaurants. And so we were doing uh, all the deployment of their technology. Um, and that's really where my career started in restaurants. I quickly uh, recognized that selling services was the, the like the the last stop. The the software had been selected, the hardware had been selected, and then it was up to the you know the boots in the field to deliver the product. Um, and so it was through that that I recognized I wanted to be on the top of the ladder. I wanted to be selling the full solution, the software, the hardware. Um, and the services. Um, so those were my humble beginnings was services-based. And I will admit, um, I'm pretty hands-on, so uh, there were some of those that I was in the field pulling cable uh, and being, you know, I was part of the team. Now let's talk about the Restaurant Technology Network and HT. I mean, they're the sponsors of this event. It's always a great event. This is probably the one event that I look forward to going to every single year. First of all, everybody feels like family. Mm -hmm. Just sitting here as we're um, doing this podcast, I've had five people walk by, wave at me. Um, I feel like I'm the greeting line here, even though I thought there would be nobody here yet this morning. I'm purposely looking the other way because I, yeah, I I'll, will get distracted. I promise I'll stop waving at people because you keep you're like, Who's, who was that? Um, so let's talk about the RTN for a few minutes. Uh, how did you first get involved with the Restaurant Technology Network? So it was four years ago here at this show. Uh, there was a special breakout, and um, it was with consultants and with uh, brand partners and with solution providers. And the goal of the meeting was to launch RTN and to ask the question, what should be the first data standard that we build? And at the time, third-party delivery was exploding and um, extracting the menu from the POS systems to get into the third-party platforms was very difficult or manual. Um, and that really, at the time, was the number one priority for everyone in the audience, the hands down, I mean, all the hands went up, that quickly moved to just menu synchronization. And that was the first data standard that we built, was the, the, the menu synchronization. I think there might have been one meeting before that. Either this is the same one. I'm getting old. My time frame is uh, <laughs> starting to slip. But I remember attending like the first event here at Murtech, and they were talking about the API that they're thinking about building. Um, yeah, and it was actually it was in that meeting because it was a breakout okay. meeting. Uh, we went into different tables, and there was probably groups of about ten or fifteen, and we all wrote down what was the most important, and then we and then someone stood up and talked about it. And it, it was API driven. But the, the recognition was that the data standard has to be built for any of the solution providers then to create an API that is compliant with that data standard. So what's interesting is we all sat in that room that day. I came out of there just stoked because mm -hmm. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, this has not been done before. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to be part of something that helps make our industry better from a technology perspective. Look at where we're at today. I know. All the things that we've done. Yeah. Now, I've been in many groups before where they have great ambitions. 
uh, they have, you know, they have so much enthusiasm, but when it comes down to getting it done and executing it, it never happens. RTN's not like that at all. What do you think the RTN stands for as an industry leader and why is it so important to today? Uh, wow, that's a big question. So I know for me, and I'll go back to that first meeting, I was extremely excited, but I was a, I felt a little overwhelmed. I wanted to be a part of it. I didn't want to raise my hand and volunteer to run a work group. I don't think with my regular day job that I had the, the time nor the capability to do so. So I remember agreeing to be on a work group, um, but quickly, just from an input standpoint, kind of took on a leadership role. Um, and for me, what really resonated is the, I call it community service, and I've joked about, you know, um, jury duty, like happy jury duty. And there are so many intelligent and capable people in our industry, and we all want the same thing. We just have trouble getting there. And so for me, the RTN was this great safe space for everyone to come together to share the ideas and to be able to, uh, to push our industry forward because... You know, honestly, we have been behind the technology curve compared to, you know, adjacent industries like retail or grocery. So for me, it was it was more for the community aspect of it. And knowing knowing we could do it, we just had to corral the cats. We just had to get someone to put it all together for us. And that's interesting you say that about other industries. I think restaurants are the one of the only industries that do not have any correct, type of standards correct, correct and i don't even understand how we function in the yeah, past yeah but if you think about it, and let's talk about this for a second you know why do we need standards and I, I go back to the simple case of you know me being a cio sitting with um a bunch of c-level people in a room trying to come up with kpis trying to create integrations and you sit there and in you're actually at that point you're trying to define what a sale is let's mm -hmm. go to the most simplistic mm -hmm. aspect mm -hmm. what is a sale what does it include does it include tax does it include tip does your accounting software look at a sale the same way as your back of house system mm -hmm. as your pos system you know what does that look like mm -hmm. so what other things that you think from a, a data standard perspective how, how is that going to really help the industry so i'm going to quote Christopher Siebes, who's a great contributor to RTN as well, and I'll probably paraphrase it. Um, what's so clear is we spend so much energy on integration and not innovation. And as a CIO, I think you're stifled just to have your, just operationally to have your technology work. And if you're spending 50, 80% of your time to have your systems talk to one another, you're missing out. That's energy that could be put into or resources that could be put into innovation. So typically what's happening is the solution providers are innovating and then the brands are at the mercy of getting the right in, uh, solution providers to work together so technically they can talk together, so they can integrate to one another. And, and it's, it's a new beginning every time you build a solution. It should not be that way. So for me, that's the other piece of this is um, we, we are building a common language. And so we are removing all of the marketing terms that sometimes drive technology decisions, and they shouldn't. And we are just leveling the playing field. So now any brand can grab any piece of technology and slot it in 
One of the analogies I've used is when you get a new phone and you go in there and you set your POP3 settings up and your email just starts flowing in, wouldn't it be great if there's a day where you could go into your POS or into your online platform and throw in your configuration settings and everything just starts flowing just like your email does? Email didn't start that way, but it works that way today. So I've heard a lot of people that do not understand the RTN actually say to me, well, that sounds great. How are you going to get this adopted within the industry? So I think the power of the RTN and what they have built is the fact that they have not only gone after the operators to help construct Mm -hmm. this, but they have a very big set of vendors, some very large names as well. Mm -hmm. Um, One brand that happens to be sitting across from me that's an advocate. Everybody is on board. They're developing it together. The vendors are finally hearing what the operator struggles are. And yes. I don't know if that's ever happened as a, as a group before. Yeah, yeah. And they're realizing, okay, yeah, this is something we need to fix. And we've gotten commitments from the vendors and we've gotten commitments from the operators. The operators have said, hey, we're going to you know, begin to leverage our decision making of who we choose based upon if Their they have- Their compliance with the RTN standards. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. From yeah. a consultant perspective, yes. I'm going to start building that into our RFP process because I want to know yeah. and I want to start driving adoption. And I think that's the only way it's going to happen. Agreed. So uh, now that you mention it, so at the Mertech Executive Summit, which was in Napa last fall, we launched the final- um, data standard and we had a breakout to talk about it and there was I was on the table and one of the members was very vocal he was a brand and he said exactly that he's like okay now what this is all well and good this is all great but Robert realistically which vendors are going to or any vendor is going to now do the work to to adopt this this standard and I recall turning it around and saying, agree with you 100%, this is where we need the brand's help. Every brand, when you go into a technology decision cycle, you need to ask, do you, have you heard of RTN? Ask the vendor that. Are you, um, do you sponsor financially the RTN? And more importantly, do you participate? Do you contribute to the RTN? Um, and then do you have aspirations to be compliant? And those are really important questions to ask. The other thing I said is, Okay, I hear you. Yeah, great. It's taken four years to build the standard. So to to think that there'll be uh, that the solution providers will adopt them technically overnight, it's just, it won't happen. It just can't. Development cycles are long, and that's one of the reasons. As a solution provider, and I'll talk about it later. I, I'm I'm glad that we're doing this. Um, it, it could very well take another four years to get a majority of the solution providers to create the tech, you know to to rewrite their APIs to be compliant with it. I mean, the other piece I'll say, and I mentioned I'll say it now, is you talked about the benefits to the brand, that the brands, the vendors are hearing the voice of the brand. I think the opposite is true, though, because as a solution provider, every time we go into a sales cycle and a brand says, oh, I have this really special report, and we'll talk about this later today on the, with the, the KPI uh, session, there's a development cycle. There's a cost to that. And if we're constantly building custom software for everyone that is really doing the same thing. It's just someone's special software. That's where the data standards work really well for the solution providers because now the industry has agreed all the different KPIs, what the report should look like, how the systems should talk to one another. We can then streamline our development. We also can innovate and we can produce better products for our industry as a whole. And that is the, I mean, that's the net net of it. It's good for everyone. 
So you just opened the doorway a little bit to talk about the KPI work group. Mm -hmm. By the time the show airs, you will have already given your presentation. Uh, so we're not we're not giving anything away, any secrets away. But talk about what the goal of the KPI work group is, because I have to think one of the most frustrating things as a technology leader when I was on the operational side is getting everybody in the room and everybody goes, yes, we need these reports, we need these KPIs to give to our managers, to have our executive teams. And the first question I ask is, what KPIs do you need? There's always just this dead silence in the room because everybody's like, I, I, I don't know. And they, they spit out some of the most common ones, but they're not really thinking about it. And being on the IT world, you can't pull the data unless you know what data mm -hmm. you need to pull. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So having those KPIs defined up front is so critical because that's going to help make sure that you have the data source to be able to pull from. So tell us all about the KPI uh, worker. Yeah, and I'm going to go in a couple different directions here because this this all occurred. So the, the initial body of work or the work effort was the data standards. As we were doing that, we recognized that the a secondary output of that would be the ability to do KPIs. We also recognized that we lacked a common vernacular, and so um, we did the technology's capability framework, which was this great you know, translator between business and tech. Um, so, I mean, you mentioned sitting down in a room, the, the, the technologists, they'll produce the reports if they know exactly what needs to be in them. The marketing marketing department may want to report. Operations may want to report. They have an idea of what they want, but they don't know how to get there. And so the words, the vernacular used to describe it, there's a disconnect. And that's where we have issues with the KPI. So that was one of the primary reasons was to um, create this standard so that every solution, when you pulled up a, a sales report, the data was consistent utilizing the data standards that we had just built. So we just kind of kept following the data standards down the trail to the ultimate endpoint of it. I mean, I've always looked at data in like four or five categories. Ultimately, you're collecting the data, you're transporting the data, you want it to be secure, so you may secure the data or store it, and then you're presenting the data. And the presentation of the data is a report or a KPI, and so the structure at which you present that it, everyone has their own opinion on it. And this is a method of getting it to a little more of a structure so that the same numbers are used, the same data is used, and the um, it's it's the common vernacular. So what is the output going to look like for an art? And I'm assuming only RTN members are going to be able to view this, this output, whatever it is, similar to um, all the other outputs that we do in our, in our work groups, which is a great reason to become an RTN member. And FYI, anybody listening, and if you're an operator, doesn't cost you anything. It's free, join. Yeah, yeah. you just yeah. need to send an email to go to the Restaurant Technology Network website or- Just sign up, yeah. Sign up, and yeah. that's all you have to do. Yeah. Pretty easy. But what is the output gonna look like? I mean, is it gonna be subdivided into um, so logical sections? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you for, for guiding me on that. So sneak peek, as you said, by the time this is out, the web page will be launched. So we categorized uh, three different types of operators, so independents, multi-unit, and enterprise, and then uh, across one matrix, or one, uh, one axis, and then across the other are sales, marketing, um, and I should know all of them, but I, right now I'm drawing a blank. There's, there's five different ones, uh, operations, and 
um, in each of those matrices, you can go in and select a given KPI, and then that KPI is defined as, as its name and also how it's calculated, the data attributes that are utilized or used to, to build that. Um, there's always the age-old um, argument about gross sales and net sales. Gross sales is easy because it's just everything, but net sales comes down to, okay, does it include discounts or coupons or all, all these different pieces of it? So we've put that data in there. Um, so the goal is then to build that structure. I can tell you um, for our solution, for Oracle Food and Beverage, we would carve out within our reporting platform an RTN tab that would have all of the KPIs as defined by RTN in that section. So as people learn to adopt this and become familiar with the KPI standard, hopefully any system that they open up, they can just go to the RTN section and all the RTN KPIs will be there predefined, pre-built, predetermined. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a great concept. Yeah. You are involved with a multitude of work groups. I swear every time I log on to an RTN <laughs> work group, there's Robert. For all the listeners, those of you who have not attended the work groups, extremely important piece. It's not just it's not just being a member, it's being involved. Mm -hmm. um, getting getting your name out there, participating, sharing your knowledge, uh, absorbing knowledge from others. We're a very sharing community. That's what I love about the restaurant industry to begin mm -hmm. with is the entire technology aspect of it we're not keeping secrets from each other. Yeah, we yeah. all have the same problems. Yeah. So it's a very collaborative environment. Which other work groups are you involved with that you're actively working on? So all of the data standards have wrapped up. So I'm kind of in this transition where I'm like, I need to find a new place to hang out. And realistically, I spend an hour, maybe two hours every week volunteering for RTN. It's my community service. And Oracle allows me to do that. And thank you, Oracle. It's, 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 it's the right use of my time from a community service standpoint. Um, so today I'm involved with, there's a, a new one called Winning the Customer. And it's all about engaging the customer through the entire life cycle, the technologies that are used for that. And then we pull in the data standards, the KPIs, all these other work efforts that we've done uh, there is another one on the uh, off-premises solutions, which is focused solely on the, all the order channels that are off-premises. Um, again, we pull a lot of the work efforts that we've done in other areas where we've defined all the order channels and all the data attributes that are utilized in those order channels. Um, so I find my time today in the work groups is more bringing in prior work effort that we've done so that we don't redo it. And that's been extremely important because the group will get really deep in the weeds and they'll start building all these little charts and yes. things. And I'm like, wait, we've done this once before. Right. And I'll send them the link to, over the chat and they open it up and like, oh, this is just what we needed. Great. We just saved three weeks of work or something. Um, but I, I would say from a, a work standpoint, it's no more than two hours a week. And so I encourage others to join. Now you say everyone you log into, I'm there. Um, I'm just consistent. I, I make it part of my calendar and I make sure I schedule around it. Um, but it's important for me. It's important for the industry that we're all there. I agree. All right. Let's veer off a little bit because okay. you and I happen to have a, a share a common theme in the love of virtual reality. <laughs> so, Robert and I were the talking. Oculus. I don't know where this came, came about, but we were having a conversation and he was telling me that he had a, a set of Oculus headset, uh, virtual reality headset, and he was a Beat Saber fanatic. 
Do you ever record any of your Beat Saber plays? I did a couple of them early on. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see. Them. You should post those on. I thought about media. we should have a Beat Saber event here. It would be great. I thought about the same exact thing, but you would definitely beat me. Um, so let me ask you this: from a VR AR perspective, I've gotten heavily involved with an organization called the VR AR Association. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I did that is I attended a few of their summits and all of the companies, all of the vendors, all of the discussions were around the medical industry, government, uh, manufacturing, training, things like that. There is not one vendor I talked to that was involved in hospitality. And as soon as they found out why I was there, at first they were a little confused. They're like, well, why are you here? I said, because you guys aren't. And everybody's light bulbs starting to go on. I, I could literally see it in the room. Yeah. And I've had so many discussions with these vendors since then in regards to how do we get into the hospitality industry? First of all, the VR AR world is a multi-billion dollar industry to begin with. Yes. Think about all the opportunities out there that are completely untapped from the mm-hmm. hospitality side. And that's what excites me. So the organizer of the VR AR Association, I approached him with it. And he said, why don't you start a hospitality committee? So I've done that. Since then, I've had a plethora of companies come to me saying, we want to be part of this. Mm -hmm. So there's interest out there. How do you see maybe VR or augmented reality having a place in the hospitality industry? So I always look at any place where people are, whether it's virtual or physical, there's an opportunity. We all eat three times a day. And so we, uh, those are just the given. So... I mean, and I look at esports. Look at the popularity of esports. And 20 years ago, if you told your parents you wanted to be a professional video game player, <laughs> they would have laughed at you. But today, it's a legitimate thing, and it's drawing huge crowds. So, to me, the metaverse, virtual reality, is going to be the same thing. It's where people are. It's where they're gaming. It's where they're hanging out. It's where they're learning. The internet. Another great example, going back even further. You know, there were some pretty strong words shared and opinions about the internet's never going to take off, but it's where everyone is. That's where everyone communicates. It's just a means for us to connect with one another. Will it replace? I don't think so, but is it a place where people will go and be? Absolutely. So just for that reason, if you're in an experience, a virtual experience, and you're hungry, why wouldn't you visit a brand and then order through some really great imagery, just like a self-order kiosk. It just happens to be with your goggles on, and then that food is then third-party delivered to your house. Or you decide to take a break, and you pull your goggles off, and you go and pick up your food. I mean, for me, it's another order channel. I've found the experience very immersive. I've also found it, as you've mentioned too, I've been really active. Like Beat Saber is a workout, and Supernatural that you turned me on to last month, it's a workout. And it's, it's not something I would have normally been doing. I wouldn't have been, you know, technically dancing and moving around in my living room. Um, but you put an Oculus on and you're in a whole different world. And all of a sudden you're doing things and you just get lost. And at the end of the session, you're out of breath and you're sweating and it's good for you. My wife keeps telling me she keeps taking videos of me doing this. <laughs> and I am hoping those do not end up someplace on the Internet someday. Um, and anybody who's never seen it before, just go online and look at the Supernatural Virtual Reality um, Exercise app yep, or whatever. Yep. They have boxing. They have something like Beat Saber. 
I have lost 30 pounds. Wow. That's great. On Supernatural. Yeah. It's competitive. Yes. It's addictive. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It is. It's, it it's, is. It takes the 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 dreadful piece of workout. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, and it makes it exciting and fun. Well, and I'll admit, I mean, I was in the generation where like Atari was like the coolest thing in the world. And so to be able to fast forward and to put on a pair of goggles and be super immersive in VR, I mean, it is truly amazing. It's come a long way. And an Oculus is a great platform because it doesn't require anything. It's self-sufficient. You charge it, you put it on your head, and you have two little handles you hang on to. You can buy them everywhere, um, and they're not that expensive. And next thing you know, you're in this really immersive environment, and it's healthy. So in the session that I'll be doing later today, we're talking about Metaverse 101, breaking it down in simplistic terms. I'll be talking a little bit about the history of VR, um, the financials behind of what's being driven uh, through the VR uh, aspect. Uh, But I'm also going to share some other experiences like Supernatural. I also use a, a program called Immersed. Immersed is a work environment. I put the goggles on and I literally have five computer screens in front of me at all times and I can be in any virtual world that I want to. I can even stream my uh, my phone up in my Interesting. metaverse. Okay. So I become super productive, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, I put the head fo- the headset on my wife and she's like, I'm surprised you even come out of this world is so cool. <laughs> I know, I know. And I said, well, you know, and you can set up little portals like our, our um, almost see-through portals. Yeah, so yeah. I have my wife window. So I know when she's walking through the door, I can look over and see there, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny. I have to, I've done a little bit of the Immerse, but it sounds like you've, you've taken it really far. I want to, oh, I want to check that out. It's that a, sounds great. It's very cool. And they have a collaborative environment too, where you can invite people into your room. So okay. We'll have to try that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. One last thing before I let you go. All right. A little known secret about uh, Robert Peterson. You're like. I don't even know if it's a secret. You're big time into BMX bikes. I yes, in the '80s, I BMX was my thing. I um, and I still ride today, um, not as much. Um, I did BMX freestyle um, in the mid to late '80s. I worked for Schwinn Bicycle Company. I traveled around the world. I um, do have a world title, 1986 world champion for BMX for Flatland. So you were like a professional BMX rider? Yes. Yeah. I used to go and sign autographs. I was on the Merv Griffin show way back in the day promoting the movie Rad. Merv who? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) For you young kids out there. Um, Yeah. And it's still in my DNA. In fact, last night uh, uh, someone brought it up and we were watching videos and he showed me a picture of his GT performer, which is an old BMX bike from the eighties. He was, I love it cause he's my age and he's like, I always wanted this bike when I was young, but I couldn't afford it. And now I can afford it. So I went and bought it. <laughs> so. Very cool. Well, I can't wait to see your presentation here at the conference over the next couple of days. Uh, looking really forward to hearing how far, and it's a little bit of a loaded, uh, discussion too, because I have been part in and out. I have not been fully uh, participating in it, but when I can, I've been able to see the growth of where yeah, it started yeah. and where it is now. So I can't wait to hear the final presentation of, of where it's headed. Yeah, Tim Tang and George Hutto are going to be with me on stage. Oh, great! Um, great. So we have a, in essence, a consultant, a brand, and and a, and a solution provider. Um, and I, maybe I mislabeled Tim Tang as a consultant, but he's, you know, he's that overall arching tech technology with Hughes. So. And he's also the one you guaranteed will be asking the first question in any <laughs> in presentation. any event, yes, yes. definitely. <laughs> and it's not just a one-part question. It's like a five-part question. Yes, and they're great questions, though. They, yeah. He's, they, he's perfect for RTN. He is. He is. 
You know, Robert, I also want to thank you for all the time and energy that you put in to promote our industry, uh, not only through the Restaurant Technology Network, but you're also a huge advocate for the International Food and Beverage Technology yes. Association, otherwise known as the IFBTA. Um, I honestly don't know uh, who would be getting all the work done if it wasn't for you. <laughs> I realize that, you know, there's lots of people contributing. You're not the only, only person out there. It's not a one-man show uh, by any means, but I think think all of us would agree that you are the go-to resource for getting it done and constantly thinking outside of the box. So thank you so much for doing that. You bet. Thank you. It warms my heart to be, uh, you know, we serve an industry that serve others and that's really what's, what this is all about. Well, thanks for coming on the show and enjoy Murtech. You too. We'll see you out on the floor. Robert is such a dedicated individual and really does care about seeing technology not only progress in our industry, but leading and pioneering a whole new era of how we think about the technology and data in the food service sector. If you would like to reach out to me or the show, you can do so via everything social at Skip Kimple or everything at Constrata. This includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. You can always go to the website, skipkibble.com, for all of the archived shows, including the show notes, which we'll have posted there. And you can also hear these new episodes on the Constrata website at constrata.io. And if you ever have a question and you want to reach out to me directly, you can send me an email at skip.kimple at constrata.io. Okay, I promise you that Toby Malbach will be on the show with me next Tuesday to give you that recap that you thought you were going to hear today. After that, I recorded some more guests that are just as fun. We have good times ahead and a plethora of ideas from amazing thought leaders that will blow you away with what they have to share. Well, that's a wrap for this week. So until we talk again next Tuesday, say it with me. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends. Hey.